1: This is the Michael K. Show Podcast. Listen live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app,
2: the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker.
1: Hey Alexa, play 98.7
2: ESPN. Thursday night football, second to last game of the season between the Jets and the Browns, who could wrap up a spot in the playoffs with a win over Gangrene. Our coverage begins right after us. Dan Gross and Greg Buttle have our pregame coverage starting at 6.15 right here this evening. Rich Cimini, of course, the great uh, Jets reporter for ESPN, joins us now with a little preview. Rich, it's Pat and Ty a couple days before the new year. How are you doing today?
3: Great. Hope you guys are having uh, happy holidays. It's uh, good to be with you from lovely Cleveland.
2: Lovely Cleveland, I'm sure. It's probably going to be an uh, excitable atmosphere tonight, considering what they have on the line out there for their team. You know, unfortunately, when we were looking at the schedule at the beginning of the season, like many of these late season games, there was a lot of anticipation on how important they could be for the Jets. But look, as you know doing what you do you're always kind of looking for storylines and searching for you know the big story or narrative to come out of every game what exactly from the jets perspective is there to watch for in this game tonight
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting question <laughs> i think i think uh actually i'm very curious to see how joe flacco does you know i just uh, obviously spent a couple of years with the jets and has just really been one of the best stories in the NFL right now, averaging, I think, 327 yards passing over the last four games. But he's going against a a pass defense in the Jets that is one of the better pass defenses in the league. The Jets have gone basically two straight years without allowing a 300-yard passer. So I'm curious to to see if that streak survives tonight against uh, the big arm of Joe Flacco. But, you know, from a Jet perspective, um, I mean, look, there's there's not – we're not going to no one cares about Trevor Simeon and how he does I mean it's the fourth string quarterback you know you want to see Brees Hall continue on what he's the last few weeks he's been really on fire especially in the passing game and you know whether Garrett Wilson can go over a thousand yards he's real close to a thousand I think he wants to you know, definitely go over 1,000 for the second straight year. So those are some of the subplots we're looking at for tonight.
0: Some of the similarities uh, between both these teams, the Jets and the Browns, are just i mean so interesting. Both have started for uh, different quarterbacks, which is tied for the most in the NFL uh, with the Vikings, but the Jets somehow have four fewer wins than the Browns, and now with Joe Flacco, as you mentioned, he's been lining up opposing defenses. Is it fair for the Jet fan or the Jet critic to say, when Flacco Reached out to them after Rodgers goes down, they should have been interested. and They should have brought him into the building.
3: That's a totally fair question, and we asked that to Robert Sala a couple of different ways this week, and he kind of walked around it, uh, just you know praising Joe Flacco. I don't think the Jets have anything against Joe Flacco as a person. I think you know they got along really well with the organization. I think there was. A mutual respect there, but they obviously made a huge error in not uh, reaching out to him or responding to his uh, inquiries when Zach Wilson went down. The Jets thought they were covered from the season with Zach Wilson once Rodgers went down, and that will prove to be, uh, you know, probably one of the biggest mistakes that Joe Douglas ever makes for however long he's uh, an executive in the National Football League. I mean, it was just, it probably cost the Jets their season. Now, I don't know. If Flacco would have been as good as he is here in Cleveland, look, we all know he's a very immobile quarterback. He's a pocket passer. Given the state of the Jets' offensive line, I, I don't know if he'd be able to sit in the pocket and, and throw down field like he's doing now for Cleveland. So, uh, But God bless him. He's enjoying a, a late career renaissance, and the Jets are just suffering through one of their worst quarterback seasons ever.
2: Jets are in Cleveland tonight. You can hear the game here on ESPN New York. Rich Cimini, ESPN's Jets reporter, is our guest. Catch his podcast, Flight Deck, wherever you get your podcast. You can also access that on the ESPN New York app. You know, Rich, Ty mentioned some of the similarities between these two teams. Both of them now have started four quarterbacks this season. Both of them have very good defenses. Uh, both of them lost their starting quarterback very early in the season. So what is your best explanation for why Cleveland is 10 and five and on the verge of clinching a spot in the playoffs and why the jets have been virtually eliminated for the last several weeks?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I And, and both teams have also gone through a lot of offensive line movement just because of the injuries. I mean, we've, We've been dwelling on the Jets, and granted, the Jets (laughs) have gone through—it's just a mind-boggling amount of change. The Jets have started 13 different players in the offensive line, but Cleveland's also gone through a lot of change up front. They've started 10 different offensive linemen. They also lost their best offensive player in Nick Chubb, and yet here they are on the precipice of the playoffs. And you ask, you know, a really good question: Why, you know, why not the Jets? Um, I just think. I mean, first of all, Cleveland's defense is is slightly better. It's a better defense than the Jets' defense, even though they were both ranked very highly. And secondly, I think I just think Cleveland's a better coached team, especially offensively. Kevin Stefanski's done a marvelous job this year. I think he's probably has to be the front runner or one of the front runners for coach of the year in the NFL this year. They have a great offensive line coach in Bill Callahan, who was with the Jets about a decade ago. Everybody knows how good Bill Callahan is. And they have just proven that you can change the personnel and still keep things going. So I think, whereas the Jets have just been utterly, what's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Just dysfunctional on offense. You know, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett had all his eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket, and when the basket fell, it broke. Then the Jets were just really clueless for several weeks on how to proceed on offense and you could make the argument that they still haven't figured it out even though they did show signs of life in two of the last three games but bottom line is they're still the worst offense in the league and I think it's just, you know, inability for offensive coaching staffs to, to adjust on the fly is probably the biggest difference between the two teams.
0: Rich, I, I got nothing but love for you. I, th- I promise, this is a compliment. It's not going to sound like it, but it, it's a compliment. You're so good at your job. You're so exceptional at, at what you do. But you depress me, man. So so you put an excellent <laughs> piece on, on ESPN.com this morning that uh, all the Jet fans and everyone, even if you're not a fan, should check out. You cry the history of this organization when it comes to quarterbacks they could have or should have had. We know the Peyton Manning story, him going back to Tennessee, uh, almost trading up to get far. Then you got passing on Marino and Josh Allen. What do you make of having covered this team for as long as you have? What do you make of, regardless of the regime, they just always seem to get it wrong? How does that happen for a franchise?
3: Yeah, I I wish. Uh, thank you, first of all, for the kind words, Ty. But uh, yeah, I mean, so I think some people like, why would I write that story now? Well, I mean, you have Cleveland and New York, two of the most, you know, two teams that have been playing musical quarterbacks for basically decades, and both on their fourth quarterback. So I thought it was apropos to do it for this game, and you know, the Jets have just had so many near misses. I mean. Uh, you know Dan Marino. I, I talked to Mike Hickey, who was in charge of their draft. I talked to him yesterday about the decision that you know why they went with Ken O'Brien instead of Marino, and and it's just it's just mind-boggling that it keeps on happening over and over again. Uh, sometimes it's bad luck. I mean, they had a trade worked out for Brett Favre. You know, in the '91 draft, the trade was pretty much done, but you know, the Arizona backed out at the last second. Um, that's just. Bad luck, You know, um, it's, it's happened. I mean, Peyton Manning, maybe Bill Parcells should have tried harder to convince Manning to, to turn pro in 97, but he didn't. And Manning said, I'm staying in school. And so I think mostly it's due to the coaching upheaval and the instability in coaching and offensive coordinators. Uh, but sometimes it's just rotten luck. Some Some organizations have it and some organizations don't
2: your article you know went through all of those scenarios everybody uh, excuse me most jets fans know you know picking ken o'brien who had a very good career as you pointed out instead of dan marino they tried the trade for Favre. they end up with browning nagel the peyton manning story which is an interesting one the way you told it in your article if you could you know kind of pretend that you're on the jet side and in their minds for a moment of all those near misses if they could have one of those hit which one do you think would have most uh, beneficially changed the fortunes of this franchise
3: Wow, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I mean, look, all of those quarterbacks turn out to be great, great quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I think Peyton Manning teamed with Bill Parcells would have been just a, I mean, just in 97 if they had the three or four years together. I mean, maybe Parcells stays a little bit longer. You know, uh, maybe Bill Belichick doesn't bolt for the Patriots and sticks around to succeed Parcells, and, and then they have that continuity going from. Parcells to Belichick with Manning as the quarterback. I think probably that one. I was there. That I flew to Knoxville for that press conference where Peyton Manning was announcing. I was sitting in the front row, about ten feet away from Peyton Manning, when he was announcing his decision. And I'm telling, this was before Twitter, so like no one was tipped off or leaked, uh, you know, like what was happening in, in real time. No one really knew. And, you know, for the first 30 seconds of his speech, he was pretending like he was turning pro because he had this poker face and pretending like oh he had a great time at Knoxville. But all of a sudden he goes, but I've decided to stay at school for another year. And the, you could just hear the applause through the entire campus echoing. And I know in the Jets facility, they were just crestfallen. They were devastated because they thought he was going to turn pro.
0: All right, so uh, we're talking to Rich Amini. Before this past Sunday's game uh, against the Commanders, uh, the report comes out that Sala and Douglas are returning next season. I just found it curious to announce that with three games left to go because you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, on the table is them getting blown out and embarrassed the final three weeks of the season. Uh, what did you make of that announcement?
3: Yeah, timing was a bit curious, but I think Aaron Rodgers more or less announced it a few days earlier <laughs> on uh, on the Pat McAfee show when he came out and gave a ringing endorsement to uh, those two guys plus Nathaniel Hackett. So I think that was like the uh, that was the announcement right there. And then you're right, uh, uh, Ty. A little little bit of a weird timing, I, I think. But the Jets did it for that reason that you just mentioned. I think they wanted to be out front on it. Just to let everyone, just in case they did get blown out, they wanted, they didn't want to be put in a position where, oh gosh, if the Jets go 0 and 3 and they lose a couple of blowouts, you know, you know, then they're going to turn around and go to Roberts keep Robert Sala. I think they wanted to be proactive, get out in front of it. I think all along Woody Johnson has wanted to bring these guys back. I don't think there was ever a moment during the season where he wavered on that. Um, I mean, I don't think it was a shock that he announced it. I mean, everyone was pretty much reporting and saying that this was going to be the outcome. And so I think he thought to himself, well, my quarterback's already announced it. I might, If I feel the same way, I might as well just go out and announce it. And they did. Of course, it almost backfired on them after they blew that 20-point 20, 20 lead, but that wouldn't have changed Woody Johnson's decision. I, I truly believe that he likes what Salah and Douglas have been able to do with the roster, and I think he's just basically given them a mulligan on on one of the, you know, we've talked about unlucky franchises. I mean, how do you get more unlucky than losing your quarterback on the fourth snap of the year? So I think uh, everybody gets a mulligan, and they come back next year and try to do it again.
2: ESPN's Jets reporter Rich Samini: have we seen the last of Zach Wilson on the field in a Jets uniform? And assuming that's the case, or even if it's not the case, what is Zach's NFL future, Rich?
3: Yeah, uh, I I do not. I'd be surprised if he played next week in New England. Um, And that's not concussion. I mean, I guess they can say it's concussion related. I I just have the feeling that he probably just wants to end it right now. You know, I I don't think there's uh, any reason for him to go out there. And I think from a Jet perspective, they probably don't want him to go out there because, you know, his last full-game performance, which was that Houston game, he played the best game of his career. And what little trade value he has probably was enhanced a little bit by that performance. And so I think from a Jet perspective, I do believe they're going to trade him in the off season. They're not going to get much. I would say a sixth-round pick, maybe a fifth. But I think to go put him out there... In the last game of the year against New England, I think it could only hurt his trade value. New England still got a good defense, in spite of all their struggles this year, and so and and I just think from a, I just think Zach's checked out. I really do. I'll, I'll just be blunt about it. I, I think uh, I think after the beating he took in that Miami game, uh, given the state of the Jets' offensive line, I, I think neither side wants to put him out there, and I do believe he'll be playing elsewhere next year as a backup.
2: What's the backup quarterback plan next year? I mean, how aggressive do you expect them to be to fill that role?
3: Yeah, they got to be aggressive. I think they know that uh, it was a mistake this year, but the way they they did it and how it played out with Zach Wilson. I expect them. I mean, there's going to be a very competitive market for backups. You know, you've seen it in the NFL this year. How many how many quarterbacks have started this year? It's like fifty nine, sixty. You well, know, the, well eight the between these two teams today. tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's eight between them, you know. And there's still Brett Ripon out there, guys. You know, he might be able to. He could be quarterback number five for the Jets <laughs> over at, at some point over these next two games. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a very competitive market for these for these high end backups, and there were only a couple of them. I mean, let's. There's not like it's. I mean, you got Gardner Minshew going to be out there. I do believe the Jets will be interested in him. You're going to have Ryan Tannehill out there. I think he is a possibility because you know the Jets have Todd Downing on their staff. You know they were together in Tennessee. He's a possibility. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I think, is a guy the Jets have had their eye on for a while, and of course he played really well last week against them. So they're going to get an experienced backup quarterback. They cannot possibly run it back with what they had this year. That would be the definition of insanity.
0: Uh, do you anticipate that Devontae Adams trade happening uh, this offseason? You know, that's hard.
3: I, I do believe the Jets will make a, a full-court press to try to get it done. Now, whether, um, whether it actually happens, I don't know. I mean, we don't know for sure. I mean, it certainly seems like Antonio Pierce and Champ Bailey are going to stay in las vegas but we don't know for sure what their leadership team's going to look like um they may go into a full rebuild the raiders i mean they need to get a long-term answer at quarterback maybe they trade adams to get some extra draft capital so they can use it on a quarterback Um, so there's a lot of questions on the on the raiders side that have to be answered but i think from a jet perspective yes i do think the jets will make a strong effort to try to get him Rich, and Latin... satisfy Aaron Rodgers.
2: Well, most importantly, right? But last <laughs> yeah, thing, I'm sure you're well aware there is a large sector of Jets fans who would uh, want their team to lose this game tonight and then lose the season finale to New England and improve their draft position as much as possible. But considering that last game is New England and considering the season that they've had, the season from hell that they've had, and considering this lengthy losing streak the Jets have, against the Patriots. How important do you think it is, if at all, to the Jets' hierarchy to end that losing streak this season?
3: Yeah, and, and, it, and you're right. It, it is, it's a meaningless game in the standings, but I, I do believe it means something to the Jets' hierarchy. They've lost 15 in a row to New England. I mean, just it's, it's like it's hard to wrap your brain around that. I mean, 15 in a row to a division rival—it's the longest active streak in the league, um, in of that nature. And so, yeah, I do believe the Jets would like to end it, and it would be a nice send-off into the off-season, kind of a feel-good moment to give Belichick uh, a little a little kick in the rear as he heads off into the sunset or wherever he's going. And so, yeah, I do think it would be important. Draft position is like. I I understand it from a fan perspective. If if you're talking like the first or the second pick in the draft, and it's like the difference between drafting Caleb Williams or having to draft something I mean, if you're talking about a potential franchise quarterback, I get it. This was like a legitimate conversation three years ago with Trevor Lawrence. But the Jets, if you're drafting between – if the difference is between 6th and 10th, it, it's really not that big a difference. I mean, uh, God knows the Jets have proven over the years that, you know, they could screw up draft picks no matter where they are, <laughs> whether they're the second pick in the draft or the 22nd pick in the draft. So, uh, yeah, the winning winning is very important to this franchise, especially against a team that has just inflicted so much misery on the Jets over the last, what, eight, nine years. So, yeah, that is an important game for the Jets.
2: Rich, we appreciate your time today and appreciate your coverage throughout the year and every year. So thanks for the time.
3: Thanks, guys. Have a great New Year. Appreciate it.
2: ESPN's Rich Cimini. Again, you can catch his podcast, Flight Deck, wherever you get your podcasts or
0: on the ESPN New York app. Going through like the, you know, mental, I guess, machinations, if you will, of like Jets history, what ifs, is so depressing because you guys brought up the Peyton Manning, Bill Parcells combination. So reading this article that Rich put up on ESPN.com, he mentioned how a scout in uh, Parcells last year as the GM for the Jets in 2000 uh, was talking up Tom Brady (laughs) <laughs> he could have drafted Tom Brady. <laughs> so you couple that with a guy who should have been the head coach. He was the head coach for, what, three days before he retired and Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scout wanted Parcells to draft Brady. You could have had Brady and Belichick in New York. It's just it's just so amazing. It's man. depressing.
2: It makes you literally cry in your beard. The other interesting thing that he mentioned in the article, Ron Wolf, who was, I think, the second in command in the Jets front office when they were trying to draft and work out that trade to draft Bre- Brett Favre.
0: Yeah, and the they thousands. couldn't
2: because at at the last moment the Cardinals pulled out. They, the Cardinals had a player available that they wanted to take, so they called off the trade, and then the Falcons swooped in and drafted Favre. But then a year later, Oops. Favre is traded to Green Bay, and at that point, who's running Green Bay? Ron Wolf. Aaron Wolf running yeah. Green Bay after he almost had him with the Jets, and he ended up having it building building his whole career off of Brett Favre.
0: And then we get, we ended up getting Brett Favre, and it was good for eight. <laughs> it was good for eleven. Games. Eight and three. They were eight and three, and then he tears his uh, tears his bicep.
2: So. I didn't realize until reading the article. And I know the passing numbers are different today than even they were then, which was 15 years ago. 22 touchdowns and 22 interceptions for Favre. <laughs> I, I re- in my mind, I remembered his stats being better than that.
0: Yeah, but he started throwing all those interceptions after he got hurt, and it, I, if I remember correctly, like the team didn't know he was hurt, right? Like he was hiding that from the team, and you know yeah. they were eight and three. And that was all she wrote for that season. He
2: almost had, it's almost as if he had, because of his status and what he had already accomplished with another team, let's call it the Green Bay Packers, it's almost as if he had kind of carte blanche to do whatever he could within the Jets organization.
0: (laughs) This better work out. This thing back next year, I already got people hitting me on Twitter uh, with this, let's go back to last offseason, and instead of trading for Rodgers, sign Derek Carr, who right now Can't win games in the worst division in football. They've got Baker Mayfield looking like uh, a a superstar in that division. Who was also available, by the way. He was. And he's found a nice home for himself in Tampa. Looks like he wants to go back to the Bucs. I'm happy for Baker. I'm happy for Bowles. Because they they, they got a chance to beat the Cowboys in the first round of the play. It'll be a rematch of what we saw last year uh, when they knocked Brady into retirement. But it's it's just so funny, man. To relive history, you go back and and see the what-ifs. This could have happened. It's amazing.
2: Kind of depressing. Yeah.
0: And this season, just like your RJ Barrett, this season is the
2: latest Very chapter. <laughs> The Mercedes-Benz Holiday Love Celebration is going on now at Mercedes-Benz White Plains with incredible lease and finance offers on a variety of models and special incentives for current Amex card holders. Precision engineering and timeless design awaits you. And MB White Plains is the first Mercedes-Benz in Westchester
3: to have a mobile service van. I can't wait to use it myself and remove the hassle from service appointments. Visit their showroom in White Plains or explore online at mbwhiteplains.com and start the buying process from the comfort of your home. Mercedes-Benz of White Plains,
2: proud member of the Pepe Auto Group, the name you've trusted since 1968.
1: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Thanks for listening to the Michael K show podcast. Hey buddy. Hey, catch the show on demand wherever you want. Just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Are we ever going to get Like a head nod bop from you when the, when the hip hop is playing (laughs) and the beats come out. Yeah, You're a big hip hop fan. Big one. Big big hip hop fan. You were at the uh, hip hop fifty concert. I was not. You was not. No,
2: my colleagues at News Twelve were there covering. They were covering. I did not draw that assignment.
0: Can I tell you something real quick before we get back to? I was likely
2: enjoying a couple of beverages uh, on Long Beach Island when that was going down. That's that's my.
0: That was your uh, toast to hip hop celebrating. I was absolutely toasting. I was toasting. A lot of things. This is very random, but I it just felt like I wanted to tell you this today because you know, when you do the, you know, tell me something uh, that I don't know about you. I'm yeah. riding the, the subway from uh, Lower Manhattan today. And I was reminded of when I was a teenager, one of my uh, career aspirations was to be one of those uh, train announcers. Oh, yeah. Like, I wanted to announce stops. Yeah. Now, for a lot of trains, it's it's uh, automated, but this, this uh, A-train I was on, this guy was, like, really into oh, it. Oh, really? You can tell. Like, he loves his job. And I wanted to do that. That's fantastic. I like, I, this, the next stop is Laura Mystery, and then give you, like, a nice nugget. Like you know, some people think LeBron's uh, second all the time, but he's really number one. MJ's too. Like, this is know,
2: akin to doing that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, not as many people are hearing your voice right now as if you were doing that.
0: I think a lot of people. You, you just got the podcast, <laughs> the, the, the numbers. Like this is a. a I just great... meant
2: this show in general.
0: This nah, we're getting a lot of reaction on social <laughs> media, man. People are 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 annoyed with you. With, you, me. Yeah, Just with me. Yeah, with you, because you've, uh, you, you've been screaming nonsense, nonsense for 90 minutes. Well, like you said, Straight I don't nonsense. have the
2: opportunity to scream nonsense <laughs> when I'm hosting the Knicks pre- or post-game shows, or God forbid I scream nonsense when I'm doing play-by-play for the Knicks. That wouldn't work either.
0: Yeah, you were. you, are, you are, I I want to commend you for that, by the way. I don't know if I've gotten a chance to publicly say, uh, shout-out to Ed Cohen for being back. We're, we're happy to have him back on the airwaves. You did. You and Don both did an exceptional job filling in for How you. about that? Thank you. You. Wow. i was so happy for you because you looked like you were having a great time great time you're you're in boston you you did the laker game you did the laker game that we was win. a sad game you got at least you got for the One first day. time in your career to see a banner raised i did
2: get to see the banner raising ceremony the in-season yeah. tournament banner that yeah. was fun right up there at crypto.com you arena as
0: a, you as a basketball fan can't relate to that Seeing i cannot your no. team raise a banner. the
2: team that i grew up rooting for Last raised a banner after the 1973
0: season. Yeah, it's a long time ago.
2: And I was not alive then, despite what you might think. <laughs> what
0: was I in 1973? I was negative uh, 20. Negative 20. 1993? Yeah. Wow, you're a young guy. No wonder you- Young guy with a lot of taste.
2: No wonder you know so little about <laughs> basketball. <laughs> you see, you hear this guy? Do you give, you're a Jets fan. That's you? No. You're not a Jets fan. Do you give the... No, okay. <laughs> I have you to
3: ask.
2: No. You, so you give the Jets no chance to win tonight. No, at
0: first, you're, it's a short week. If they had three months to prepare for this game... Well, maybe Rogers would be back in three months. There's a different can story. Can you imagine if he was... Can you
2: imagine if he actually came back last week against Washington. Washington's defense is terrible. He probably could have gotten through that. Can you imagine if he was playing tonight against Miles Garrett and this Cleveland Browns defense with that offensive line? That would have been a disaster.
0: And it was why um, you go back and you don't want to... Watch your team lose games. But them losing that Miami game maybe was the best-case scenario because it eliminated uh, the the possibility of this guy coming back. And as you mentioned, he would have been fine on Sunday against the Commanders. Uh, but this game in Cleveland against the number one defense in football, Miles Garrett you know, should be an MVP candidate, but it's become a quarterback award. Uh, the, the the ferocity that that defensive line brings, you, you don't want to be on the other side of that, especially as he mentioned, he wasn't going to be 100% anyway.
2: The interesting thing that I heard Rich Samini say when we spoke with him a few moments ago is kind of contrasting the seasons that the... Uh, The Browns and the Jets have had because they've gone through a lot of similar things, both losing their starting quarterbacks. Of course, the Jets had put more eggs in the basket of their opening day starting quarterback as opposed to Deshaun Watson for Cleveland. But they both have really good defenses. And it's what you and I have been talking about a lot. And he answered it, but he did so tactfully. But... It comes down to coaching, coaching, man. He mentioned the job. He mentioned the job that Kevin Stefanski did. And this is what we've been told. This is why Pittsburgh is still alive. This is why Cincinnati is still alive. Minnesota. This is is why it has to work next year. Because if it doesn't work next year, if Rodgers gets hurt and doesn't play a full season, or if he plays a full season and for some reason it doesn't lead to the playoffs, or it leads to a first-round playoff exit, then where are you? Then... You've got a 40-year-old quarterback who's probably mulling retirement with Robert Sala possibly entering his fifth year as your head coach. But
0: this is why I can't even go into next season feeling encouraged, Pat. Because there are so many question marks uh, with this team. The defense is phenomenal, but... How do we know they're going to have this... Because some of it is good injury luck, right? Like, they haven't suffered that devastating injury on defense the last two years. Al Woods is a pretty significant one. But you're so loaded at defensive line, you were able to replace him. Uh, So you got to have good injury luck going into next season. But question mark start, 40-year-old quarterback coming off of uh, the worst injury of his career. And now you're three years removed from the guy... That you thought you were trading for MVP level Aaron Rodgers. That's twenty twenty one because yeah. last year at Green Bay, you twenty eight and twelve, which you would take as a you yeah, would have
2: absolutely taken, but that as a Jets it's family. still
0: not what he could be, right? And this year becomes a wash. So you're going into next season, three years removed from him being um, apex level Aaron Rodgers, and we've got tremendous questions about this coaching staff. Like we joked around, keep Hackett here; he'd let him be the coffee guy, but. He, the offensive coordinator, that's a, a very important position, and we're just trying to dismiss it because we don't trust him, but we know we need to have him here. And then we talked about Robert Sala yesterday. How many games do you come into, and you've done like you know shows where you're previewing Jets games or, or you're coming off of a Jet game. How many games do you go into uh, thinking you have the, the coaching advantage? Yeah. When was the last time? It doesn't happen. No. How many games do you exit feeling like, yeah, that was a coaching masterpiece? Did they May- play the Broncos last year? Last year, yes. All right, so that was the last time. Oh, this did they play the Broncos? Yeah, they did.
2: Remember that's when Brees oh, Hall got injured. Is,
0: yes, yes, the, in Denver. Yes, that right. was the last time that Brees the Hall and AVT, AVT, yeah. Oh, because they were going up against <laughs> the <laughs> <against them laughs> Hackett. Yeah, uh, the AVT and Brees Hall. Yeah, that that game did happen last year. And but, they did. They 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 blew their doors off. Blew them out. Um, but it's just few and far you know in between those games where you feel like you have a, coach, a coaching advantage or you feel like you won a game because you outcoached the other team that doesn't happen so you got a question mark all of your coaching staff question mark with the quarterback still got to see what happens with this offensive line need more it's, weapons it's a lot at man. the wide receiver position which is why I disagreed with you the other day where you said you know, there's not that much they have to do yes there is I don't know how you correct a well, coaching two deficit of the questions, in an offseason. Two but of the
2: questions you just named, they don't have to do anything because there's nothing to do. I agree, there's questions with the coaching staff, but that's not changing. And there's questions with the quarterback, but that's not changing. So while those are questions, those aren't anything you're going to tackle in the offseason.
0: And it speaks to like how can you possibly feel great going into next year? It's also why... You have to be so devastated. You look at the AFC, things broke perfectly for you to to emerge to stay as a contender. In this. Well, yeah, they were in this. At 4 and 3, they were in this halfway through the season. But I'm saying if Rodgers doesn't get hurt, yeah. like even with the bad offensive line, Kansas City, they're off, they can't score. Uh the Ravens are clearly the best team, but then everyone else, Cleveland, a great defense. How long does this Joe Flacco right. thing continue?
2: It'll continue at least through tonight.
0: Jacksonville, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, every week's dealing with a new injury. So who knows with them? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Texans, C.J. Stroud, he's been out there for It was a nice story for a while, but they've come back. Yeah, Miami and Buffalo. He got hurt. uh, Miami uh, just got their first win over a good team, and it happened in week 15 or week 16. Uh, Buffalo... They were, remember, 6-6, six and six Fire their offensive coordinator. Josh Allen leads the league in turnover. So there's a lot of of, of mediocrity to bad happening in this, uh, in this conference that would have had you confident. This portion
2: of the show is brought to you by Bigelow Tea, who encourages you to grab a mug and tea proudly. Let's go back to the phones, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Garrett and Paramus. Garrett.
3: Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? All right. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I just want to call in and just – I know a lot of uh, fans – I'm a Jets fan, but a lot of fans want them to lose just for the draft pick. But I think a lot of people forget that, like, I mean, we we have young players that we drafted, like Sauce, Garrett. I think it's very important for them – I think it's very important for them to win. And I think I—I I think the worst thing to start a culture is, like, why it keeps happening, why like guys leave, is just they keep losing, 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 and they want to get out. And, I mean, it's disheartening to be as a, as a player to do that. You put all that hard work in. So I think it's, like – as a Jet, I mean we've been rooting for draft picks for the last 13 years cuz we haven't been in the playoffs, but uh, and we haven't and we haven't gotten it right. So we might as well just we have we have some good picks that we had over the years. So let's try to win as much as we can and then try, just try to rebuild through the through free agency and try to just hit on our day 2 picks. So I just think that's important.
2: I think that's the approach going into tonight and going into the last couple of weeks. I I don't think the Jets themselves are taking a different approach than going out there and trying to win
0: the game. I just... No, of course. It's Uh, going
2: to be a fruitless exercise, at least
0: tonight. This is tape um, for the guys and also it's important uh, that announcement comes out that yeah, Salah's coming back, so this is still a head coach. You're gonna have to play for next year to so like, well, impress him, yeah, or you, you, you gotta impress somebody else. Yeah, impress somebody else. So yeah, it's important for the players and the coaches. I, I just think the fans uh, view it through a different lens. In that, let's let's try to maximize draft capital, get the highest we can achieve, and that starts with going zero to two these last two games.
2: Let's go to Breezy in the truck,
3: Breezy. let's what's up? Uh, what's nice, good, Breezy. So this is Hey, listen, nobody is talking about this, but what if Flacco come come back from watching the kids, sitting on the sofa, watching soap operas, and take the Browns to the Super Bowl?
0: That would be an amazing story. Also because he would have to, um, in theory, go through Baltimore to get to the Super Bowl.
2: Yes, it's lined up that way right now. That that would be, which yeah. it'll probably stay that way because Baltimore probably stays at one, the one seed, and Cleveland Bal- yeah, probably Baltimore stays at, at
0: five. And Baltimore, I think, can lock up the number one seed this weekend because they play Miami. Yes, the Chiefs are out of the, out of the running for the number. Chiefs one are out seed. of the running. Yes, and if they beat Miami, they're the number one seeds. I mean, that would be that would be phenomenal theater. I don't think it's going to happen. No, I do think that his luck is going to run out. And I don't want to call it luck, but I do think this run has a shelf life. And Baltimore is the best team in the conference right now. This is the perfect
2: situation for him, though, for Flacco. This is what they were missing. First of all, he's got a great defense, the best defense in the league, and he's got basically carte blanche in that offense. The best thing that the thing that he's always been best at is just dropping back and letting it rip. And and the reason, one of the main reasons it never worked with the Jets is he just never had the time to do that. And he never had the receiver on the other end to chase down his I mean, he started. Yeah, Gary Wilson. Yeah, last for the begin for the first two or three games and yeah. then he was gone. The majority of his games with the Jets were prior to last I year. I mean, the,
0: the the Browns are down both of their tackles. They've found a way to make they this did. offensive well, line work. It goes hurt. back
2: to why the Browns and why not the Jets? Why <laughs> the Steelers coach. and why not the Jets? You
0: know what's really interesting to me? I think there is going to be a chorus that gets louder and we haven't heard it yet. But if Lamar Jackson I, I think he's going to win the MVP. If he couples that by getting to the Super Bowl and, you know, winning it, you are going to hear a large contingent of the Jet fan base go back and relitigate last offseason and say, you should have been more interested in Lamar Jackson because he's, he's younger, which means that your, your championship window is open for longer. And right now, there, there are people that can make the case he's better. Especially if he wins the MVP in a year, Rogers doesn't play when he's healthy. We've seen Lamar; all they do during the regular season is win games. The only question about him is, you know, whether it can translate into the postseason. If he answers that this year, there are going to be a lot of Jet fans going back and saying we should have been in on Lamar Jackson.
2: Well, I think he's clearly surpassed Rogers now because even if you're looking at Rogers next year, it's Rogers coming off of this injury.
0: Yeah. So and Lamar coming off of an MVP. Right.
2: So that entire discussion has changed. Now, I would. Last year, I thought it was the right move. I thought Rodgers was the better player and the better option than Lamar Jackson. But if you had to do it over again this offseason and your choice is between going hard after Lamar or going for Aaron
0: Rodgers, Lamar is clearly the choice now. Well, because he got hit with the non exclusive tag, which means you can negotiate with him. Uh, Baltimore was just tasked with matching it if they saw fit and we we, we already um, saw from how it play out they had reservations uh, and if he signs the contract you give up two first round picks but I, I think once you get your franchise quarterback you feel like it's worth it The Mercedes-Benz
5: Holiday Love Celebration is going on now at Mercedes-Benz of White Plains with incredible lease and finance offers on a variety of models and special incentives for current Amex cardholders. Precision engineering and timeless design await you. Visit their showroom in White Plains or explore online at mbwhiteplains.com and start the buying process from the comfort of your home. And MB White Plains is the first Mercedes-Benz in Westchester to have a mobile service van. I can't wait to use it myself and remove the hassle from service appointments. Visit their showroom in White Plains or explore online at mbwhiteplains.com and start the buying process from the comfort of your home. Mercedes-Benz of White Plains, proud member of the Pepe Auto Group, the name you've trusted since 1968. Don LaGreca here for
1: Ramsey Mazda. This is the season, the season to save at Ramsey Mazda during the Season of Inspiration Sales event. Like a new 2024 Mazda CX-5 for $279 a month or buy and get 0% financing and no payments for 90 days. Find your new Mazda now at Ramsey Mazda. Choose wisely. Choose Ramsey Mazda. Call 833-853-2970 for details. Zero security deposit. VIN RN 173698. MSRP 32560 Tax title registration extra and 1224. visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
1: Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ESPN.
0: What are we here until today? 6.15? 610. 6.10. 6.10. An abbreviated ENN courtesy of our very own Anthony Pusey. Happy hour just got uh, five minutes earlier. <laughs> so, Anthony, how do you prepare for a 10-minute ENN? Very quickly. Because, like, all the drops and, like, there's a <laughs> lot of pomp, pomp and circumstance.
2: Some instances we don't even get to the drops. That's just, you know, it's just the magic of ENN. But, no, we'll get a lot in there. There's some fun stuff that we can get into today. Do you want us today? to just,
0: like, lay out and no. have you just machine gun stories? Absolutely just not. fire I away? To, I have to run over there. I got to help Ray out. You know how it goes. Oh, yeah, you got, he's, oh, he's yeah, uh, he, you're in, in, in the patrol tonight for the Jets
2: So wait, what time are you out of here tonight? Uh, I think 1 o'clock. I'll be home by 2, 2.30, I think.
0: Oof. You know how those used to be, Ty. You take the train? (laughs) No, I got my car. But it didn't take me an hour and a half to get home after check games. Uh, Thirty minutes. Come on, you, you take uh, your car
2: that time, and I shouldn't take you an hour, hour well, and a half. We'll see. Uh, hour and a half. Come on, man. Not he, an hour and a half. He's
0: stopping for a, a sneaky link. That's what he's. Oh, doing. is that what it <laughs> is? all right My we... bad. If your girl's listening right down the west, right the down second, the west side highway. <laughs> second day in a row. Well, I blew we, up yeah, we, spot. we blew up Jacob yesterday. <laughs> now we're
2: on to Anthony today. What the f? <laughs> what a what a team. <laughs> what a teammate this guy
4: is. was upset. Look what you did to him.
2: All right, Let's so after us is Jets pregame.
0: Yeah, man. Dan Gross and Greg Butto. Yep, in the house. Going to be cooking up some uh, some heat that's today. KFC maybe? I don't know. Bringing the You're KFC in. darn tooting. I hear KFC and Jersey Mike's. Tonight? Yep, that's right here. If we stick around, do we get to uh, kind of like weasel our way in there? Or is I think you like partake now. I think you do, but are you sticking around? 6 six ten, that's the, uh, I don't know. What time are you guys eating?
4: Uh, usually we do it
2: after uh, pregame, but I mean the food so, will be so here. You eight know, eight how that o'clock. Goes. Eight o'clock. Well, yeah. You know how that goes. I don't know that I'm still going to
0: be here at eight. But how rude uh, would that be? he's <laughs> he he brings run? the food. <laughs> we don't the...
2: lock it up and bottle it. <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> we're we're gonna grab the food and we're gonna listen to them on the way home.
0: <laughs> he brings the food. We get first dibs and we just get out. Of here, get out of here. While he's got to work two hours before he can eat. No, nah, it's all good. This portion of the show
2: is brought to you by the New York Structural Steel Painting Contractors Association, adding a little color to the Big Apple. So, a lot of talk about quarterbacks, Zach Wilson moving on after this year. I like when Samini uh, said he's he's pretty much checked out. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing during that. He's checked out. Um, obviously, Joe Flacco's story. And that was also on ESPN.com today, a uh, nice piece about what the, the Flacco boys, including Joe, his younger brother, who's also a professional quarterback, and his father were doing to keep Joe's right arm warm while he sat around and waited for the
0: call. How do you keep your right arm warm? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep yourself busy during these uh, intermissions. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So like, what do you keep do Keep the to, old like- wing, i will come up. Of- Ugh, rotations here. <laughs> do you, do you, are you ambidextrous? I'm not. Mm, I'm not. Just a right right hand. I could dribble with my left hand. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The question is, can she dribble with her left hand? hmm
2: <laughs> I could dribble with my left hand just like RJ. <laughs> um, another quarterback who, uh, should you be interested, will be available next year is Russell Wilson. We spoke a lot about him yesterday. And uh, just as we were getting off air, in fact, as we were ending... Our show, Diana Rossini of The Athletic said that Wilson, on X, is expected to be cut by the Denver Broncos in March, according to league sources. For almost two months, the quarterback has been starting, knowing the organization was most likely going to move on from him after this season. And again, the, the timing of being benched this week for Jared Stidham and not playing the final two weeks basically boils down to If he were to be injured over these final two games and fail a physical in, I believe, March, he would be entitled to collect an extra $37 million, and the Broncos want to avoid paying him that. Therefore,
0: they're not going to put him in harm's way these final two weeks. So here's the part of the story that, to me, was just um, eye-opening. Jordan Schultz put it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I'm going to take an excerpt of it, and he said the Broncos approached Wilson two days after their October 29 game, uh, and that upset went over the Kansas City Chiefs, and told him he would be made inactive for the rest of the season if he did not adjust his contract and defer the injury-guaranteed trigger date that he has for 2025 and then skipping down a bit he says at that time Wilson was coming off a three touchdown game and a win over the Chiefs and he was starting to experience the type of success he envisioned following his challenging year in Denver what annoys me so much about this story is the perpetual hypocrisy of the media that I'm involved in if if a player were requesting a trade while under contract folks would be screaming Bad guy, bad teammate, honor your contract. But when the team does it, when the team is trying to meticulously get out of paying you, and and, and it it sounds like they're going to release him and forego the rest of this contract, his extension hasn't even started yet, then no one has anything to say. I don't hear that criticism. Honor their contract. Why is it that we have the smoke for the player when they're looking for greener pastures, when they're looking to, to get to a better situation uh, that's more conducive to winning or whatever they deem to be success? We, we want to be all over them, but when the team does it, it's a shrewd move. Great job by Sean Payton. I just think it's, it, it's bogus, and it's very hypocritical.
2: I think in this case, the Broncos moving on from Russell Wilson, and I do think it's a shrewd move because at this point in his career with where Sean Payton is in this lengthy process of trying to revamp the Broncos organization, he doesn't want to go down the road with Russell Wilson at the point he is in his career. They're not moving on from him without penalty. There's a significant, what is it, $65 million of of dead cap space that they have to absorb for moving on from him after, so they're, in that sense, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're not just casting him aside and wiping their hands clean of this entire situation. They're doing so with the knowledge that there's going to be a $65 million cap hit against the
0: organization. Yeah, but the $37 million, they're going to get out from paying that. That's well within their rights to do And they're not going to have to pay the rest of this contract. So let's flip it. Let's just say in this this what do you he was traded last offseason. So let's just say in this two-year run that he had with Denver, he was balling. Mm-hmm. Like he was elite. The what we said he right. wasn't yesterday, right? And the Broncos were just awful. And he comes out today and he says, "I want to get traded." You think the media is saying, "Oh, that's a shrewd move. He wants to go to a better situation," or are they crushing him for being selfish and telling him to honor his contract?
2: No, they're they're certainly not saying that that's a shrewd move, but I also think that you're overblowing the reaction that Sean Payton's getting. I don't see a lot of media members lining up to pat Sean Payton on the back for this decision. I don't, no. think, I don't think he's getting credit for this decision. He's just not getting criticized for this decision. But that's my
0: point. There would be a heavy dose of criticism if this were emanating from the player. If If this were the player deciding he wants to leave, just like we did with... Durant, we did that with, or they did it with Rodgers. We didn't do it here because we actually wanted to, you know, him on the team. But people were killing Rodgers. People were killing Durant. Every time a player requests a trade, Harden's not the right example because of the debacle he he became. But when the player requests a trade, they get crushed for it. When the team's orchestrating it, then it's you know, no one says anything. That's my issue.
2: I think it's the cost of doing business in the NFL. Unfortunately, in the NFL. The players, compared to the other three sports, have the least amount of leverage because of the agreements, the collective bargaining agreements that have been worked out between the league and the players association. The one group of players that have the most leverage, ironically, are quarterbacks. So Wilson, despite what you're saying, is actually more financially protected than if he were playing another position.
0: I just think it's hypocritical. It, it, it's, a, it's a narrative that I've, it's, it's been driven for a while. And I've actually felt this way for a very long time. And this was just like the latest, latest chapter uh, in those chronicles.
2: So your desired outcome of this situation would be what? They stick it out with Wilson, a quarterback they don't want, no, or I mean, there's more criticism for the organization? Yeah, just more
0: criticism. Okay. That's it.
2: Well, you're providing some of that now.
0: Yeah, but according to you, no one's listening to us. I said, no one's listening to you. (laughs) When you start talking, they magically listen. Every time my mic comes on, it's just like, nope, don't want to listen anymore. All right.
5: Hey, when I'm getting ready for a game, I have to be prepared. I have my lineup cards, the latest team stats, and, of course, my mug of Bigelow tea. For me, it's Bigelow Earl Grey with a smooth taste that keeps my voice in peak condition, even when the game goes into extra innings. I refuse to settle, and neither should you. No matter how hectic your day gets, grab your favorite Bigelow tea, take a moment just for you. So grab a mug of your favorite Bigelow tea, join the millions of fans that make Bigelow number one in New York. Bigelow tea, the official hot tea of the New York Yankees.